To another episode of King of the Shill, nay, a mini-sode, Scott. A sode of minis. The 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 miniest of sodes. The bedtime snack of episodes. <laughs> the uh, what's your favorite bedtime snack? That's a good Show question. Show me your favorite bedtime snack. When you get up at twelve o'clock in the morning, what do you crave? And Chick Fil A is not a valid answer. No. Uh, in terms of snacks, like I'm thinking like within the criteria of things that would be like in your pantry, right? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you have to be scavenging for something like this. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I think in terms of utilitarianism, warm milk for me does put me like right back out. Oh, so it's, it's hard. It's hard to call that a snack, but I can't even drink cold milk. Like, I, okay. So I realize I realize mm-hmm. that hot chocolate is just warm chocolate milk. Yeah. But warm white milk? I can't do it, dude. No way. You're crazy. It, it, food science, like, apparently it literally, like, activates some type of sleep aid in the milk, <laughs> right? Like, there's melatonin, a reason why that's... The, it, your, your secret melatonin <laughs> reservoir? Yeah, but it's 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 actually, like, the reason why it's a wives' tale is that, apparently. So, like, yeah. in terms of utilitarianism, right? Like, warm milk. But I don't know. Probably, you're, you're going to think I'm really weird. When I... When I have those moments, especially like post drinking sessions, when I wake up yeah. in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. I sure. want like I want like beef jerky and stuff, honestly. Yeah. Salty shit. Yeah. yeah. That's why. That's what it is. It's the salt. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the salt. I was just telling you this week that I have not been able to stop making pickled red onions and yeah. now I have to put them on everything. And I learned it's because the 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 overt uh, acidity of them kind of has the same effect. Like if you even start thinking about Sour Patch Kids, does your mouth start watering? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's the same type of thing. I, I think I would go right now. I would have to say my favorite bedtime snack is pickled red onions, which might not be. Yeah, that's uh, a hell of a bedtime snack. <laughs> that might not be. Uh, that might not be less weird than than uh, than warm milk. Yeah, that sounds like some midnight acid reflux. Um, yeah, probably. But that's why I'm on Protonic so that I don't have to worry about that kind of shit. Yeah. Oh, thank God for modern, modern, modern medicine. Yeah. Better living through modern chemistry. That's right. Welcome back to the warm milk of podcasts. Yes. King of the shill, um, where we will be, uh, putting you to sleep justly. Yes. We taste weird and we put you to sleep. That's right. We're, we're, uh, we're hot off of the back of a fresh, hot Yakuza Zero shill. And um, I've been really uh, enjoying the rest of my time with it. I am a little surprised you did not include anything about Majima in the show because Mm -hmm. I fucking love this character. Majima is great. He's actually probably one of my favorite parts of the game. But I think I think another thing about shilling, right, is you have to leave something yeah it's still like a sure. nice surprise right so yeah right uh-huh. we, we talked briefly about majima but it was more of like a, oh also there's this guy right that does uh, yeah, this thing. right but how how do you bring in a man like that you know what i mean without to- with well, i mean like well it, it's the thing of his introduction in the game mm-hmm. how do you top that right yeah. like with with kiryu like he's the main character right so it's this thing of like 
there are a lot of different ways that you can sort of introduce him Mm -hmm. like to somebody, but I feel like the way that Majima is introduced and the way that it sort of takes you by surprise whenever you start playing as him is the introduction that you want. Yeah. And there's another meta aspect to it too, that you wouldn't have gotten of like Majima in Yakuza zero, the prologue of this character is nothing like Majima in every other game. So you've it, told me. And there's a bait and switch at the beginning where you like you think he's about to like be Majima, and then he, yeah. he's like this super charming, well put together guy, and you're like, huh? Like, you're is this like, the right what guy? The f- yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, there's that component to it too. So you have that that awesome opening, and you're you're if you're a fan of the series, you have this like whiplash of like, what the hell? Like, yeah, well, especially because like thinking about it in that respect, you know, the cover, the cover art of the game is it's really fucking awesome. Yeah. First off, um, but it's this awesome, like, like t- sort of tapestry kind of thing. Yeah. Of like all the characters and the villains in the game and then front and like they're in this like red hue and then front and center. It's Kiryu and Majima. And so I'm sure as like a legacy fan of the game, when you're coming into Yakuza Zero, like you said, this prologue to these characters you're thinking to yourself like, okay, I know. Okay. So this is clearly young Majima. And then like the way that he behaves is just like such a subversion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's i I'm really, I'm really excited to, to, to keep plugging away at it. It's, it's definitely um, the type of game that, and, and I'm realizing this as like, I have, I let it sink in more and then I play it more in my spare time. It's definitely the type of game that I'm coming back to because I just want to see the story. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not what like um I feel like um because of the like what I was expecting before when we initially like when 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 we initially did the show I feel like it's one of those things where I was so focused on critiquing the combat that I thought about the combat too much and mm-hmm. I let some of what like you know, some of the, the other hooks that the story had that like I would end up thinking about a little bit more sort of go over my head a little bit because I was just so focused on like thinking about these other things and these other systems in the games. Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's another learning experience for me because like, I I'm just learning the value in not thinking too much and just sort of letting the thing wash over you. Right. Yeah. I mean, and like, that's, I think, really prevalent in that game. So, Oh, absolutely. And it's also a game, right? Like we said on the show, it's not flawless. Right. But having some context, especially as you're going into, can help you deal with like um, Majima plays a lot differently than Kiryu. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right. I would argue that Majima is fun to play and Kiryu is one third fun to play. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, they're having the context, I guess, of like, okay, well, I know I'm going to be jumping back and forth and doing all this stuff, but I don't have to rush to do every single side story. I can just like do what's in front of me and just yeah. kind of let it happen. Right. I think that helps right. with uh, moving through that game too. Yeah, no, it's definitely, um, it's a different experience than I thought it I was going to end up having post shill too. Yeah. Like it was, it was a different experience than I thought I was going to get for the shill. 
And it's been a different experience since too, because I'm coming back to it for reasons I didn't expect to come back to it for. So yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a great game. It, it's very smooth because you, you end up getting into that, to that state where you're so invested in sort of just um, like being along for the ride. Yeah. Right. That um, it, the, the pool of like all the reading that you do and the dialogue and everything really just becomes the experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm which is cool. So yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I'm looking forward to finishing it. And, uh, and I mean, outside of that, I haven't really been gaming lately, right? Like there's been a couple things that I've had on my radar that are coming up, but I'm just kind of like going back to experiences that I enjoy. Um, like, uh, I, you know, I recently played, started, uh, I picked back up Devil May Cry five, but I haven't really been like, really sinking my teeth into anything lately so i've been watching a lot of documentaries and i'll tell you what i'll tell you what one of my favorite types of content is be it documentary or like youtube shit um you know streamers what whatever Mm -hmm. i love shit about debunking stuff right like one of the, I think, most obvious examples of that is Penn and Teller's bullshit, right? Have mm-hmm. you ever seen that show? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember any of the episodes of that show? Yeah, I remember. Uh, I I feel like there was a gun control episode, but I remember the religion episode really vividly. Um, what else? They did. Uh, the they Boy did, Scouts one sticks out yeah, to me Boy a lot. Boy Scouts. They did vaccines, too, didn't they? They did vaccines. They, uh, they did... Um, uh, uh, the death penalty was another yeah, one that, that, that was a popular one that was really interesting. And like, you know, it's, it's Penn and Teller. So it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's what it's, if you've never seen it, it's exactly what you expected to be. It's very tongue in cheek, very, very loud, very overtly, you know, this is, this is our feelings on this, but I, I always really took to it because of like the nature of the, the, the debunks that they would do. Mm-hmm. And I think the I started really internalizing that lately. Like, why do I like these things? Right. Because shout out to to uh, uh, good friends of the show, Iron City Paranormal. They've um, shared some of our episodes for us. And um, those guys are awesome Um, uh, to great friends of mine, Dan and Derek. They ghost hunt. Right. So, like, I'm into that shit. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I can't help myself from being like why do people fucking believe this shit? Oh yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Like you're talking to someone like I took a lot of religion courses in college just because I found them fascinating. I've read a lot of like Holy scriptures from different languages. Right. And even like at that level, I'm super into the occult. Like I I listened to a a couple of occult style podcasts, like just that, even that it's like, how, how did humans come to believe this specific set of circumstances? Right. Like, yeah. And it's like, it's not like, I'm not trying to make a commentary on religion or cultism or anything like that with this. It's, it's just this thing of like, it's uh, it's kind of similar to what we talk about with, you know, like pop culture media where it's like, how, how do you, how do you get so sucked into, you know, sort of uh, genuflecting at the altar of something where um where you're you're just like you know sort of almost non-autonomously doing and saying certain things well it's that are just like you know it's well it's just like uh i can't remember the name of the island but something like the money pit uh up in canada right like how did people come to believe that was a thing and was there you know what i mean like 
and they're still well, yeah, digging. You have like really high profile cases of like obviously, you know, um Jim Jones, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. Om Shenrikyo, right, which we talk yeah. about, you know, um all the time and stuff like that. But then uh you have guys like, you know, he recently passed away um which really bummed me out but he was very very old and lived an incredible life um james randy do you know who he is Mm -mm. the amazing randy oh man we are gonna have to watch this documentary and maybe like do like a special episode about it or something yeah james randy was fucking incredible james randy um i he was in his 90s i think when he passed away this year so very old um but Lit, uh, had a very long career of basically calling people out right mm-hmm. back in like the like uh the the 60s 70s 80s there was this like really big pop culture infatuation and fascination with stuff like psychics you know what i mean yeah um numerology right you know stuff that like really became mainstream where you had guys going on um, television, and I'm sure you've seen this clip before, but it's this guy, uh, James Randi, very famous for debunking him live on television, where he was able to make, he was like making um, the books or the pages of a, a phone book move just with his mind. Like he would like sit there in front of an open phone book. Yeah. And he's got, I can't remember this guy's name for the life of me. I'm uh, Here comes the clickety clacks of me looking it up. Um, but he sits there in front of this uh he sits there in front of this this phone book and he's got this like coconut haircut on oh god and this like pencil thin mustache right yeah and he's wearing like a like some kind of shirt like some kind of like i don't know like tai tai chi twine shirt or something and like like i realized at time people were probably like whoa right but like now you're looking at you're like look at this fucking clown right so like anyway so like he's in front of this phone book and he's looking out of his mind and he goes like this and he like pokes his fingers forward yeah and and the the page turns and everybody's like oh holy shit yeah right and uh, so james randy goes on tv and he's like, and he was very famous for carrying a check around for, I think it was $10,000 or $100,000 or something like that. Yeah. If you could prove to him that your shit was real, yeah. he, he like he would pull it out on talk shows when people would ask him about it. He'd be like, I have it right here. Yeah. And so he goes on this, this exam, this case that I'm telling you about. So I'll look up the name in a second with this phone book guy. And he's like, here's the check. If you can make this page move. Even after I sprinkle all of these little like paper shavings all over yeah. the the book, right? Mm-hmm. Then I'll give you this check and it's yours. And you're on national television. You can prove your validity and show everybody that you're not a fraud. Yeah. And he's like, and like, I think at some point somebody asks him like, you know, what he's planning to do to test him. And he's like, well, I'm pretty sure that he's blowing the papers. You just can't see him do it. Yeah. And so he puts sprinkles all these things around and this guy sits down there and he looks at this phone book from like 10 different angles. And it's like the first time he's ever taken more than 15 seconds to make one of these pages move. And finally, he just gets up and he's like, well, you know, something's wrong. I think it's I think it's the paper interfering with the. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the money shot of debunking stuff. Oh, God. It I think. 
outside of the whole like fascination with like how do people get roped into believing this kind of stuff like that kind of stuff right like again religion is totally different when it comes to like i swear i swear to you this guy can move this this phone book paper with his mind beyond that the money shot is just mm, mm, mm. it's so good yeah it's it's like the guy we talked about this briefly that one guy that's like i can if i do a key eye shout I can knock any man unconscious, right? <laughs> and then, like, there, I don't remember his name or like the school or anything like that. And I was watching, um, it was on YouTube, but it was for TV, someone like trying to debunk him. And he was getting all flustered and like, well, the reason I couldn't knock that guy out is he wasn't prepared. He wasn't ready. You have to like believe in it and like be ready. And it's like, the the scrambling to maintain any semblance of reality yeah. like after you've been debunked like that's like that's the lick that's your lips so lick your chops yeah yeah i mean it's it's the same thing as like when like when you're watching uh like cops or something like that and yeah. somebody gets somebody gets caught like get, gets busted in a lie you know yeah. what i mean where it's like are, are were you drinking tonight it's like no and they blow like a 1.2 yeah. it's like you know and it's just like that that look on their face when they just know right there's something that's like it's like a slow roasted beef rib that's just fallen off the bone and you just want to go put your face under it and wait for it to fall into your mouth it's like one of those things for me you know very like delicious um but yeah randy is randy was incredible um we definitely have to watch this documentary together and talk about him more um He's so, so interesting because, yeah. you know, outside of like the the whole reason that he got into this is because he got he really got his start as a magician. Um, and I have an unironic love for magic. I just I love it. I love mm-hmm. magic. And, you know, it's it taps into a lot of the same reasons that I love pro wrestling. It's the illusion. Right. right. It's the. You know, it's the the spectacle and the performance art. Um, I just think it's incredible. I think the shit's so cool. Sleight of hand magic is yeah. my favorite, you know. Um, not that now you see me shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Randy got to start as a magician. And so this is kind of like how he like made his way into debunking this stuff. And he even had a like his own television program for a long time where he would just invite people on come get this money bitch yeah come get it what what's that you got you got a stick that can find water doubt it come get this money show me this stick that can find water and i will show you a check for a hundred thousand dollars yeah um but he yeah he was uh he was awesome. He's he's really really cool, and uh, I just love shit like that. Have you have you ever seen any like? Are you into any type of shit like that? Yeah, uh, I I don't specifically look out for it, but one niche subtype of that that I do I I've seen a lot of content specifically on is people debunking flat earthers. Like, mm, yeah, I I watched this really interesting one. This physicist, it was like a half hour segment he did for someone else where he was talking about how the sheer physics of the thing just would not work. Like he was talking about how, like if we were on a disc floating through space, the farther you got away from the center of the disc, like imagine, um, imagine a plate with buildings on it. Right. And we're, we're looking at the middle of the plate and we're going to move to the right, the right side of the plate on the table. As you move to the right, 
the buildings to counteract the gravity of the disc <laughs> would have to be tilted yeah. further and further onto their axis where axis until eventually right if you reach the the top of the disc but like not the literal top right the edge right. you would yeah. be like you would have this crushing gravity trying to make you slide down the disc back to the center right? yeah right and it was just yeah. fascinating to listen to this guy go on and on about all these like different reasons why it wouldn't work right well yeah and it sort of hits that thing too because i think like anybody that's watching that that's obviously not roped into whatever it is that's being debunked yeah. right um is also while while you're getting that information you are also subconsciously going through the file cabinet of all of the f- stupid flat earth theories you've heard in your brain yeah. and you're making the connection and it's just like this hilarity moment in your head. Yeah. Like that plate example that you gave the first thing that I thought of, right. Was. If the earth is round, why is the horizon flat? Oh yeah. That's a, that's a great one. You know what I mean? And it's just yeah. like, that's, that's the take. You saw the horizon and you held your hand up to it and you went, yeah, that looks fucking flat. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's this like analogy that this physicist has put together. That's just so apt and, and brilliant. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It just makes that it just makes that connection. It's, in your yeah, head it's the it's juxtaposition. Just, it's it's the guy like because it, it, the, the other type of money shot in addition to they've been debunked and they're scrambling and they're like really embarrassed is the double downer. Oh man. That's the yeah. other type of money shot when they go to the next the level Rubin. of delusion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, you're a, you're a psyop, right? You're like, oh, like the, the accusations that come out. Oh, that's, that's yep. the other type. That's deeply satisfying. Cause this guy yeah. in this segment, right? Like they, it's inter, interspersed. And this is a, my favorite thing they do too, is when they, whenever it's like a, a hard fact kind of debunk, and then they juxtapose it with footage of the people like spouting this stuff, right? Like to, <laughs> as if to like directly yeah, reference dude. it, right? Like yeah. you get you have that juxtapose with the guy that's like the government's trying to keep us out of the land beyond the ice walls, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's like yeah, I, I I I I love that specific moment. Oh uh, yeah, man! Uh, like it, it's the Atlantis moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, one video that I sent you today that I love about this type of shit is McDojo life. Yeah. Um, and these guys are cool. Um, I first heard about them on Instagram. Um, my, uh, f- friend of the pod Morales has turned me onto them. Um, cause he, he is, he practices Brazilian jujitsu. He is mm-hmm. a martial artist himself. So he has a very vested interest in seeing this key shit get yeah. debunked. Right. But some of the stuff, man, like the one that I sent you today is funny, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, again, like I I've said earlier, assassinated 800 million people. <laughs> it's like, okay, dude. Yeah. With, with, with my touch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the, the reason that kill bill and like, um, the, the, the five point exploding heart technique is yeah. fun is because it's rompy and is so detached from reality that yeah. this could never exist. It's fun for the same reason that a fucking lightsaber is, right? Yeah. But like I I was showing Ashley that same video that I sent you today, my wife, and I uh I was like, can you believe these people and what they think of themselves? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? What's like th- 
the whole thing of, like you said, like I learned this technique off of the 8,800 year old man that assassinated Bruce Lee. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the thing of too, like the, it's falling for the mysticism yourself. Like the guy has, oh, to, the guy has absolutely. to know it's BS, right? Like you, you, unless he has an actual mental disorder, he has to know it's BS. But there is a part of him you can tell that, like, honestly believes he knows the dim mock, the touch of death. You know what I mean? Like he lo- <laughs> he believes he's living in a a, a Wuxia film. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, man. It's it's this whole thing of like, uh, and like I told you before, like these are the guys that say I don't watch that anime shit. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like you yourself are trying to write your yeah. own anime. You big that the meme of that kid in the courtyard, like don't touch me. I have the power of God and anime on my side. It's like that. Oh, I see how you grew up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you, you somehow went from a 12 year old kid in 2004 to a 60 year old man in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, there's that stuff, right? That's really funny. But then there's some stuff that McDojo shares that I'm just like, this is so fucking dangerous. Oh, yeah. Like the, the gun disarms, mm-hmm. right? The stuff where like, it's like, um, I don't want to call anyone out here, partly because I don't want to call anyone out, partly because I don't fucking remember your name. But there's like these guys that um, will do this thing where it's like, they stand in front of a, a gun that somebody's holding to their head and he's like when i move my head it takes one thousandths of a second yeah and it or two thousand or yeah one thousandths of a second and it takes two thousandths of a second for the finger to tell the brain to pull the trigger so he keeps doing this thing where he's like bobbing and weaving yeah in front of the gun and the guy that's like on the other end is just pulling the trigger every time he moves his head yeah so like he's selling these programs to these people and like calling it like like legitimate self-defense when it's like somebody will literally just shoot you yeah it's if you move your head they're gonna follow you and shoot you in the head it's the scene in raiders of the lost ark where the guy's doing like the sword flip shit and indiana jones just shoots him you know what i mean like a a gun is a gun we have not topped guns you know what i mean yeah like like there is a saying like bringing a knife to a gunfight yeah and it's not because it's like a joke yeah right like I get it, man. Right. Like there's nothing cooler. Right. than loading up DMC. Yeah. And just pulling out the Yamato and slicing and dicing. Yeah. I love it, dude. I don't think I could ever do that in oh, real yeah. life. And I certainly don't want to pretend like I can. Right? Yeah. It's, it's a next level of LARPing. Like there are people that LARP as like armed forces. Like people that have never been in the military in their life, but walk around and either say or act like they were in it. Oh, yeah, man. Like the, mm-hmm. the people that think they're in the militia. Like too. stolen valor people. Yeah, stolen valor people. And uh, but then this is like the next level. This is it's not that they're surrounding themselves in a, in a at least like a warrior's <laughs> lifestyle. Right. But it's like I, I am. am. <laughs> it, I was about to say I am the weapon. Like you are. My fists are lethal weapons. Well, it's. Like these are the people that whenever they put a hoodie on, they flick hidden blades out like they're an Assassin's yeah. Creed. Oh, yeah. Right. But McDojo Life is doing a documentary and I think they just wrapped filming. 
it was it's been a few years in the process, but um, it was a crowdfunded campaign that they that they did. So I'm looking forward to seeing that because I like their stuff, man. Um, I'm not like a mega MMA fan by any means, but I do enjoy like combat sports. Obviously, like I feel like if you like pro wrestling, then part of you is always going to like stuff like MMA and boxing. So, you know, I like combat sports. I'm not a huge MMA guy. So I mostly just follow the stuff like this where it's like, you know, debunking the fake stuff. Yeah. Because honestly, at the end of the day, it's like one of these things where, I do have a lot of respect for martial arts because stuff like Brazilian jiu-jitsu and stuff, it takes a lot of fucking work to get good at that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that like these, like sort of like faux martial arts, like Sistema that they practice in Russia. Have you ever seen these videos? Oh yeah. Where they just like put butter knives up against real big pot belly fat dudes. And they just like roll to the side and they're like, look at me deflecting the knife. Yeah. It's like, it's a butter knife, you know, especially too. like, it's so fascinating to me. It's, it's almost like, um, there's, there's examples of this in a lot of human life, but it's almost like the snake oil salesman type thing of like, but you haven't seen my brand, like talking about Russian, uh, martial arts. Like in mm. terms of highly practical stuff, they already have Sambo. You know what I mean? It's already yeah. one of the most deadly practical right. martial arts in the world. Right. But then you have these guys or like it's really it's anywhere. But like um, it, it's honestly like the uh, the guy in um, I keep referencing movies, movies like the clown on fake martial artists a lot. Uh, the guy in uh, Napoleon Dynamite, the, yeah, the guy yeah. Rex, uh, Rex Rico. Kwando. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Uncle Rico. Yeah. Uh, is that was oh yeah it is uncle but rex kwando right yeah, like right, just, right right this is my version of the martial <laughs> art right never mind <laughs> yeah. there's all this other stuff that's like real and practical right like i yeah. come learn rex kwando well and the and they always and what's so funny about that joke is they always call it something really fucking dumb like that oh like, yeah like poison fist <laughs> yeah like you might as well call it cqc yeah you know what i mean like it's one of those things for me where you know, I just wonder why was I made fun of as a kid for liking the X-Men? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like why, why, why was that the thing that I was picked on for when, you know, people like me grew up to believe that they could knock people out simply by putting their hand in front of somebody else's face. Yeah. Yeah. But I love shit like that. We will definitely have to uh, check out uh, the documentary about the amazing Randy. Um, Cause I think that 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 stuff is is really, really interesting. What the fuck else were we going to talk about today? Well, I have been going down the rabbit hole of travel shows. Oh, man. Well, some of my favorite. Yeah. So I really like documentaries, but um, I think my favorite type of travel show is shifting to something that has become really recent uh very popular is uh vlogging people that like there's this whole subgenre of people especially on youtube that they're living in foreign countries and as as expatriates and just kind of documenting their daily life yeah scott yeah let me tell you something Uh uh-huh so i've got a lot to pull from on this shit and a lot of weird shit yeah And I'll tell you why it's because whenever we would go on a trip, Mm. we would spend weeks down the rabbit hole on YouTube, looking up information about where to eat, what to see, so on and so forth. Those type of people are your resource for that type of stuff. 
not only do they give you incredible recommendations, their content is so fucking fascinating. Yeah. For many reasons. Yeah. So when I was younger, right, my dad is really into traveling. Like, I'm very lucky. I'm very well traveled. We, uh, my parents and I have been to a lot of places. I've been to a lot of places. But um, my dad and I used to watch a lot of travel shows just because it's, I think we're both the type of people, too, that like, this sounds so arrogant. I'm sorry, but I can't <laughs> think of a better way to explain it. We both uh, have, a, have, a, have an appreciation for other cultures, right? Yeah. We, we mm, get sure. fascinated when we see the way that people live and how it's yeah. different from us. Right. Right. And mm -hmm. we we're the type of travelers too, that we want to have the, like, I, I'm not going to say we're like roughing it, but we want to have like the authentic experience. My dad Definitely, and I are not the right. type that want to go to like tourist traps. We want to go to, especially we've, we've gone to a lot of central and South America and the mm -hmm. Caribbean islands and stuff. We want to go on the tours that like, look at the historic districts and stuff like that. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. right. We would watch a lot of travel documentaries, especially the old British style, right? Where yeah, it's a man, yeah. a figurehead that's moving about an area and giving a narration about the culture and the place he's been, right? Don't forget about Rick Steves. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. And, <laughs> uh, they, uh, so they, they're they're a specific type of show and they're really fascinating. But yeah, uh, for sure. content has been moving towards, I think less towards the prestige of travel and more about the realities of it. Right. And like the yeah, normal experience yeah. and mm -hmm. one show that really got me thinking about it that way was I mentioned to you briefly before the show, uh, an idiot abroad, which is one of my favorite travel shows of all time. If you don't know what an idiot abroad is, it is um, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant have a, these are uh, English comedians and writers. They have a friend named Carl Pilkington the now infamous Carl Pilkington, who's just kind of your average English man. He's very dull. He's not particularly quick-witted or well-read. He has very banal opinions about everything. He's not a very outgoing person, basically like a schlub, right? He's a, he's a nice guy, but I'm just, mm -hmm. this is, in a sense, it's self-described, right? Yeah, sure. And Ricky Gervais had in his mind that he was going to make Carl Pilkington famous, which he has now. They used to have him <laughs> yes. on the they used to have him on their podcast and just let him talk, which was yeah. very fascinating. But they decided for Sky TV they were going to send him abroad, which he had never been and never had any interest in. He's not a very cultured person. So they had several seasons of this show where they just sent him around on these amazing trips and it's mostly just him whining about everything. <laughs> yeah. And being Yeah being a more of a fish out of water than anyone has any right, right to be. Right. I think my favorite part about the show is how, cause I, th this touches me on a very deep level because um, like you, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of great experiences in my adult life recently. So um, one thing that I like to do whenever we travel somewhere new is I've got to load up on all the snacks and Carl does a really stellar job of highlighting all the snacks and the crisps that he yeah. finds. <laughs> yes. There's um, that that's another thing we'll get into next time about the transition, but like the food, the way they approach food culture is really mm -hmm. different too. like vloggers and like kind of the everyman content. But yeah. Um, yeah. So like that really that really got me thinking about um, like the way travel looks in film and on TV. And recently, I don't even remember what got me started. I know the channel that got me. St oh, you know what? I do know how I got started. 
uh, recently, uh, I've been listening to a podcast called Trash Taste. Uh, it's a couple of anime YouTubers. It's three of them. I was not familiar with their content, but it came up in my like YouTube recommended just because of like the type of content I consume. Right. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. I've been listening to them religiously. I love the show. And they had a guy on who's a mutual friend of theirs. They're all in Japan right now. That was part of them doing the show as they all moved to Japan to do it. They had a guy on named Chris Broad who has that runs the channel Abroad in Japan, which is his show. Uh, it's very it's a very popular YouTube channel where he just talks about different parts of Japan. He's been living there for several years. He does videos talking about everything from specific regional cultures and food culture to like kind of more light conversational topics to he's even made a couple documentaries talking about Fukushima and uh, the tsunami and things like that. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's been interesting to he has his, he has very high production value, especially for a YouTuber. And he was influenced by British TV shows. But it's so interesting to have documentary content that doesn't really end. Right. He makes a video. Right. Like every week. So it's not like I'm sitting down and watching this hyper encapsulated short journey. Typically. Right. I'm seeing from a perspective that's closer to my own. uh, Chris Broad is English. Right. But he's a Westerner. Right. Uh, I'm seeing his constant perspective on Japan and things he's finding and doing. Right. Right. And that got me started on this trend. I, I have a couple people in a couple different regions that I watch, uh, like South Korea, India, the Philippines, like all these different people that are just vlogging their experiences. And it's just collecting all this content. And it's so interesting to me to see more of a daily life perspective. I guess. Right. It's not it's not that they're talking about truly their daily lives. Some do. Some are like almost daily bloggers. There's even a couple that are live streamers. And the content I'm watching is just uh, collections of their live streams of them being out and about and doing things. Right. But with I'll just keep using Chris Broad as an example, because I think he's one of the best in terms of quality, too. But uh, abroad in Japan can have things where it's like we drove up to. Um, I can't remember the region, uh, but we drove up to uh, this northern region of Japan. This oh, Aomori. We drove up to Aomori for a day, and we're just going to talk about how it's a famous apple-producing region and look at some ciders. And also, did you know that Aomori has a lot of bears? And as a government ordinance, oh. the, go- the government has allowed people to hunt bears, so we're going to eat bear meat, right? And like that might not be a or or we're going to go specifically to this 250 year old Ryokan that's so huge you have to have a, a self-driving golf cart take you to your room right <laughs> like just things like that that like may not ever appear on a travel show because they have that limited time but for him it's just a day trip right he's living there he can keep producing the content it's yeah. And it's it's it definitely takes that out of the sphere of because I think when you're looking at documentaries, mm-hmm. right, and and bigger things that are like these bigger productions, even down to like you mentioned, like some of the more famous shows like Andrew Zimmern and even yeah. um, some of the shows that the late Anthony Bourdain did. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's always an agenda there. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have to go to this place. We yeah. have to do this thing. We have to meet this person. Right. 
um, we're filming a segment where we're eating lunch with the president in Vietnam. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that, where they might mention things like, here's how we got there, or here's where we're staying, or here's this like neat little thing about like, you know, day to day life here. But a detail like, you know, I'm in this place and we're checking out these ciders that they grow here. And, you know, here's how I'm getting to my room. And yeah. the government has just has just lifted like uh, or whatever they did yeah. to allow people to hunt bears. And so because of that, there's going to be a lot of bear meat that we're and like you get a lot of that in travel shows. But it's always from the perspective of like, you know, this big cinematic experience yeah. where we're going to show it, it to you. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's different it's, when it's like, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think it's different when it's somebody that's living there. You yeah. Know? And it's also it's also only if it's part of the agenda. I think that's a great way of looking at it because. There's there's different types of travel shows too. Like, are you familiar with the Grand Tour? I know it. I don't think I've ever watched it. It is basically the spiritual successor to Top Gear. I, I feel like that's safe to say, right? Okay. Uh, it's on Amazon, I believe. That's where I watched it. Um, I like car content too. I don't really yeah. know much about cars. I'm getting more into it now. But uh, you have content like that that is very similarly very produced for TV, very agenda based, and Another just happens to be in Japan. Another Japanese content creator that I really like uh, is an Australian expatriate living in Japan. He's been there for mm-hmm. seven years, a uh, couple years. Uh, his channel name is Nori Yaro. Uh, his name's Alexi. He is a drifting YouTuber. And okay. drifting is obviously very uh, popular in Japan. It's probably one of the most important places in the world for drifting. Right? I mean, the Fast and the Furious 3 is not based on nothing. Yes, that's right. And uh, his content, right, similarly, it's, it's almost a travel show. It's very specifically car-focused, and it's more car content. But yeah, it's, right. it's talking about different car cultures in Japan. He'll travel to Tokyo for an Itasha car festival. An Itasha is uh, in Japan... Typically, they call cars with uh, half of the country and half of the thing. So uh, uh, an Itasha would be an Italian car, right? But they write the kanji for Ita as Ita Ow. It means owl car or cringe car. These are the cars. You've seen them where they're wrapped to have anime characters and stuff uh. on them and waifus. So he'll travel up to Tokyo and go walk around an Itasha car festival and look at all the like anime wrapped cars. But then he'll go back down to Tsukuba circuit and do an entire day of drifting and talk about like his he's his is more of a true vlog. He doesn't have like produced content, so to speak, but he'll like just see a guy. Walk, oh, that guy. That guy in one episode, he's literally like, this is the guy. He's just this meetup of cars that they based Takumi from Initial D on. This is a real life person that they based an anime character on for the most popular one. Probably the most popular car anime of all time. Yeah, right. right. So that's not something you would necessarily get. Or at least you would get it in a different package. Unless it, it was like the point of what yeah, you were going to see, you exactly. know what I mean? Or get, you know, which is what his YouTube channel is. But I think the, you know, I think the the overall uh, kind of cool thing about what we're touching on here is that it's another, uh, it's another aspect of like content creation that I think sort of gets lumped into the 
you know, natural order of what's already out there that you you don't always internalize like how crazy it is that this kind yeah. of shit exists on demand whenever, right? And that's like um there's this guy that we always that we always would find and I think he's so interesting because not only does he go to places that are sometimes um really crazy like these like small Bavarian towns that have like 500 people in them, you know what yeah. I mean? But he also will go to the bigger spots and he will do these things where it's like, these are like sort of how you can eat cheaply, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And these are, these are some of the ways that you can, you know, these are some of the areas that you can go to shop if shopping is your thing. Yeah. It's not necessarily like geared towards tourists or stuff like that. And the thing that I find about, the thing that I find the most interesting about his content isn't really down to his content because it's fine, but you know, there are other travel channels or yeah. travel, uh, travel shows out there that do what Gabriel traveler does. Um, and so it's just up to you. I mean, it's, it's not like he does anything so crazily insane and unique that you need to tune into him. But I think what makes his content interesting is him. Yeah. Because he has just been like, I, I don't want to assume that he's backpacking homelessly. I don't want to assume that he just sold all his shit and is backpacking forever. That might be the case. But from what I can gather, he just travels really out of a backpack, stays in a lot of hostels and stuff like that. And just like, I think from it's from what he does and from the fact that he spends his time in so many different places and cultures, he doesn't really have like any tendencies that I've seen out of a human being like his accent really, you know what I mean? Is yeah. like kind of like non-regional to the United States. You know yeah. what I mean? Even though he's, he is American. Um, his like general body language, the way that he interacts with people is not American, but yet it's also not overtly like European or Asian or wherever he's at. He is truly like a megazord of all of these places that he's been to. And it's fucking fascinating. Yeah. To just well, see him interact with people and do shit. That's part of the appeal of this type of content too. Like, um, there it's the human component of it too. Like a lot of the older, older style travel shows and travel documentaries are very slickly produced and you won't see people talking about like, I'm just, I'm just going to go back to abroad in Japan again but he had a series he did recently where he basically went on a little road trip uh to see mount fuji uh yeah. and it's he awesome. documented a bunch of stuff he did along the way and there was like tons of like pratfalls right of like oh shit it's raining today right you don't get yeah. that or like um oh we got lost or whatever right you don't see that in the slickly produced travel documentaries that human component like you're saying with gabriel traveler right of like right you, you feel more connected to what's happening because it feels like a real person that you somewhat know and understand is doing it as opposed to like okay lights on set here we're gonna talk to this guy now yeah, and then we're, right. we're gonna teleport 500 miles away to the next thing we're doing right <laughs> yeah and it, it's just it's just gonna come down to the next narration segment it's gonna it's gonna fade out and it's gonna be we pack our bags from Osaka and yeah. head to Tokyo. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And especially because you, the longer that you're doing this, even if you're not specifically following a channel, even if it's just one of those things 
like um even if it's just one of those things where it's like we're going on a trip so we're going to look up videos about where we're going and yeah. then you stumble across familiar channels and faces that way which is kind of like how i end up coming across these guys like gabriel traveler there's almost like this really fascinating like internal storyline with them too that's yeah. not on purpose but it's there yeah right like I hadn't seen a Gabriel Traveler video in probably a year and a half at one point. And then when we were trying to figure out where we wanted to go this last time that we went abroad, um, specifically to the country that we went to for our anniversary, I pulled up one of his videos. And again, he's always been like this very sort of like amalgamation of cultures, very nice and respectful, but like you couldn't really get a bead on what he was into. Right. Yeah. Like you couldn't be like that fucking guy's into anime or this dude is into race cars yeah. or like this guy's a, just a boozer. You know what I mean? Right. You couldn't really get a bead on what he was like. And so that's why when it was revealed to me that like he went to this absolutely insane Greek like. Nude resort. Yeah, I was like character development yeah what what happened you've yeah. never made content like this before i he's like doing backflips into the pool there's djs playing yeah i'm like where are the videos of you walking down a czechoslovakian town being like you can get a bag for two american dollars here yeah you're backflipping over naked chicks into a pool while a while a DJ is behind you shooting yeah. fireworks into the sky in Greece. Yeah. No less. What happened to you, Gabe? Yeah. That's like one of the more interesting things about it is you see these people and as you continue to consume their content, however you do it, there's these like little thready storylines you can pull from them. And it's so much fun. Yeah. I, I love travel shows. It's, it's a nice little, especially in COVID times, it's yeah. a nice slice of travel and being able to experience something other than the inside of your home. Right. Well, yeah. And uh, thank fuck for the Internet for that reason. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what we really have to give big praise to. Yeah. Um, but speaking of big praise, we got a show coming up next week. We do. Are you what are we chilling? I think so. Um, I know what it is. Yes. I've sort of done my research. Not and not a lot, but I've I've Googled it and I know what you've told me about it briefly. And I'm excited. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be cool. I have never seen a movie like this in my life. So, yeah. So we are going to be watching. Satoshi Kon's Perfect Blue. Part two of the anime arc. Part two of the anime arc. And so far, we're one for one. I, I, I am really confident this is going to be a two for two. I love this movie. I love this movie just on its merits of being a movie, let alone something that is anime. Giant air well, quotes. Yeah, and that's, I think, one of the things that I'm definitely interested in because, like, like we kind of talked about in Yakuza, right? It's... There are a lot of things about like what makes anime cool about Yakuza mm -hmm. that are prevalent in a lot of, you know, the, uh, the 
you know, available anime out there and shit like that. And it's not really like the, of the video game format is not your typical way of breaking into the genre like that, but it's got all those things that make it great. And you know, why it relates to anime, like we've discussed at length. And so what's interesting to me about perfect blue is that it's not immediately obvious to me that this type of story should be an anime story. Right. But yet here it is, as an anime film. So, well, this is something that we talked a little bit about in Yakuza 2 uh, when we were talking about like your kind of background with anime is I think it's hard to internalize, especially for the, I'm going to call you a normie because at least in this regard you are <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But mm-hmm. I think it's kind of hard for normies to internalize. Like we were making fun of that dude earlier for like the type of guy that would say, I hate that anime shit, but believe that he can kill people with his fingers. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, mm-hmm. It's hard for people to step away from the image they have from i mean everything from meme culture to just the the most popular stuff that they end up seeing right like most people have at least seen naruto like i mean like they've seen the words naruto and like the equivalent of like cover art of it right the people are aware that naruto exists so to them that is what's baked into their brain as like this is anime right yeah and with perfect Mm -hmm. blue i want to challenge this for you a little bit more with I'm not saying this is Shakespeare, right? I'm not saying this is sure. the the greatest piece of literature to ever exist, right? But this is a right. way more highbrow film. It's more cerebral. It's it's a very it's a very directorial kind of consumption piece, right? It's not a uh, it's not a what do I want to call it? It's not it's not a product, right? It's not yeah, please sure, buy. It's, it's not, like- not please buy our toys. It's not. Uh, thanks for watching please tune in next week it's this is my vision that i want to put out for everybody to see right yeah and it's it's i I think you're really gonna like the movie it's it's a it's a real thinker too yeah which i know you like is the soundtrack cool oh yeah it's it's uh kind of these haunting electronic tones alongside (laughs) like uh it, honestly alongside we've we talked a little bit about the plot of it and we'll talk some more but like it's juxtaposed with this very airy poppy music that's like given a sinister tone by its context it's really cool yeah i think you're gonna I'm, like it yeah i'm i'm looking forward to it i like i said i've i've remained pretty much completely squeaky clean um outside of just generally understanding you know s- some f- like facets of the plot so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man, because like so far, right, like like you said, one for one. So this is probably going to be, you know, hopefully two for two um, because I am definitely sort of abandoning my predisposition to I don't know if I'll ever like anything as much as Dragon Ball Z already. So, yeah, I by the end of this show, I think you'll understand more of what i mean when i make my grandiose statements like when i say like marvel is anime and things like that but also when i'm like you're an anime fan you just don't know it yet right right like Mm -hmm. i know there is stuff that you're just gonna love way more than you ever would have like not i'm not shitting on dbz but i think we we're both of the same opinion that it's just kind of okay right it's it's yeah. it's great for its aesthetic and the implications of the thing and it's not like just a non-stop banger episode after episode type thing right right there's gonna be stuff that's gonna 
Well, I've already really sort of gotten into this mood of I'm more interested in contained experiences at the moment. Yeah. So I think that I think that this bodes well. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, but you can check that episode out next week. That episode comes out next week. We will be watching that this week. Um, and we will be releasing that episode next Friday right here on all the channels where you can find King of the Shill on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on TuneIn, on Google, on Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as themanyfolds.com, um, where you can also find links to our Twitter and Instagram, which are at themanyfolds, both on both channels. Definitely check us out there. Give us a follow because we will keep you up to date on all of the forthcoming episodes and all of the episodes that are on the way and releasing at the same time, like this one that came out today on Friday for 30. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Scott. I'll see you next week, pal. Yeah, man. See ya. Peace. King of the Shield.